Hello, and welcome to the 2024 Tax Guide edition of the Capital Stewards podcast. Uh, this is also the first video version of the podcast. So I know a lot of you have been around and you've just been looking to be able to watch me as we talk through uh, financial planning and investing and taxes and all of those things. Um, so you get your wish. No, uh, hopefully the video version will make it more accessible for folks so that everyone can get really good quality financial advice. There's a lot of stuff out there on the internet. I think a lot of it is not particularly good. So hopefully this will just be another resource for folks to be able to get quality financial information. Like I mentioned, this is the tax version of the podcast. So um, we are going to talk all things taxes. We'll talk a little bit of short-term planning, things you can do as you think about your tax return for 2023. Um, and then also some things you should be thinking about as we go through the rest of 2024 uh, in the long-term planning space so that you can lower your tax bill over the long time, over the long term. I always we always do this episode right after the Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl is now over. Um, I think Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. I don't know if that was what you were expecting based on the odds, but that's kind of what I was expecting. She won. Um, and and my favorite season, baseball season, is right around the corner. So I'm looking forward to that. I usually do a little bit of ad review when we talk about uh, taxes because uh, I know you're not actually ready to talk about taxes yet. You just want to start thinking about them. So my view on the Super Bowl ads this year was actually that they were pretty lame. Um, I didn't think they were they were all that compelling. Record pricing, seven million dollars for the spot, and then when you've got um, you know, multiple celebrities in there, Matt Damon and a bunch of different folks all in one ad uh, that adds up 10, 15, 20 million dollars. Um, so, you know, kind of D minus overall. My favorite commercial was the Dunkings commercial. Uh, that was Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, Jennifer Lopez and Tom Brady. The boys sort of walk in, they start singing, J-Lo kicks them out. Um, invites Tom Brady to stay, of course. So kind of some funny stuff there. So we'll, I don't think we can show that video in, in this, uh, in this section for copyright stuff, but we'll definitely put a link to it. So go watch the Dunkings. I thought that was the most compelling ad that we saw at the Super Bowl for 2024. Um, also, since we're going to talk about taxes, it's just a, a quick disclaimer. We're not CPAs. This is not tax advice. You definitely should get professional guidance, whether you do that through a tax prep software, TurboTax, something like that, work with your own CPA, tax professional. Um, if you just sort of listen to this or watch this video and then fill out your tax return, that may not work out for you because there's exceptions to every rule. Um, and what we talk about here may not be applicable in your situation. So get professional guidance uh, and, um, and then you'll obviously, and you'll be better for it. Hello, and welcome to the Capital Stewards Podcast. Are you a professional who wants straightforward, trustworthy financial strategies that you can act on? Are you entering your highest income earning years and discovering that your personal finances are becoming too complex? We get it. You're a highly competent professional, but you don't have time to go deep on your personal finances the way you do with your day job. Hi, I'm Brian, and helping professionals make smart financial decisions is my passion. I run a financial advisory practice called the Capital Stewards and work with professionals like you who are trying to cut through the noise every day. It's time to stop Googling every question you have about money and dive into some real professional guidance. So let's get moving. So before we dive into tax strategies for 2023, if you don't hear anything else in this episode, I think it's really important that you understand that taxes are a long-term game. And what do we mean by that? Um, smart planning is not a hunt for deductions. I think a lot of people start their work on taxes by sort of saying, okay, well, I earned what I earned last year. My income is what it is. Can't change it. Now, what do I do to try to find deductions and credits to offset it so I can lower my tax bill? Um, 
that's okay. You should do that. We're not against that. And we're going to talk about some credits and deductions and things you should think about for 2023. But the best way to minimize taxes long-term um, is through long-term tax planning. And there's three primary areas that I think you should think about. We talk about long-term tax planning. So the first is investing in the right kinds of accounts. And primarily here, we're talking about retirement accounts. So IRAs, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks, those types of things. The second is structuring your business entities appropriately. So whether you're in a partnership or you're an S corp, um, those kinds of things, making sure that you've really dialed in what the business entity is that you're using um, for tax planning. And then the third thing is just managing your taxable income. So what do we mean by that? And what we mean is that if you are in control of your business or um, if you are an executive, you've got stock options, things like that, you may be able to control whether or not you're going to realize income this year or not. And what we want to do is smooth that out over time. So so three long-term planning things that you should be thinking about, investing in the right kinds of, of accounts, structuring your business entities appropriately, um, and then managing your taxable income year over year. That's going to be really important um, long-term. That's going to be way more important than any single deduction that you're going to find when we go through um, the the sort of tax season every single year. The other thing is because of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in uh, during the Trump administration, uh, some people call it the Trump Tax Cuts. The official name for that is the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. That simplified the tax code, um, which further sort of reduced the need for that hunt for annual deductions because now more than 90% of people simply take the standard deduction. I mean, that's, that's great. Um, that means things are more straightforward. Um, so don't go fire your CPA or um, or sort of keep spinning your wheels if you're saying, man, the standard deduction is sort of right for me and I can't understand why that is. It's right for most people. The, again, the, the real way that you optimize taxes that you reduce your tax bill is through long-term planning. It's not sort of this like annual hunt for deduction and hoping uh, that, that, that that leads somewhere. So, so don't be afraid if the standard deduction is right for you. All right. So let's dive in and talk 2023. What are some things that we can do to minimize our taxes? And, and we'll talk here about credits and deductions. So um, there's there's four things I want to cover here. There are tons of tax credits and tons of deductions that are out there. You can find out about those pretty cheaply through TurboTax and, and other websites. So there's not it's not worth, I think, us spending a whole lot of time on every single deduction that's out there. Um, there's just four, four kind of topic areas that come up a lot with our clients that I think are worth everybody thinking about or things you may not necessarily think about that, be, that could be applicable to you. So these are kind of the four things that, that I would think about on, in the credit and deduction space um, when you start doing your taxes. So the first is the child tax credit. If you have children, you're eligible for up to $2,000 in child tax credits until your income reaches $400,000. That's half of that $200,000 if you're single. And the wrinkle here is also that you get credit for the cost of daycare, household help. If you have a nanny, day camps, any of those kinds of things, even if your kids don't spend the night there. So even if you, you know, maybe have a one spouse stays at home, um, you don't really pay for childcare. You probably sent your kids to camp in the summer. Um, you probably did something that involved your kids being away from home for a period of time. And so you can get some, uh, some tax credit for those things. It's not the whole thing. There's limits on that, but, but you can get credit for that kind of stuff. So don't forget summer camp and that sort of stuff here. Uh, make sure that you attract the expenses you have for your kids and get deductions for those. 
Home mortgage interest still super popular. Obviously, lots of people have mortgages. Um, that's one of the few deduction areas that remained after 2017. The interest is only deductible now, though, on balances up to $750,000. Um, and it's key that the word balance there is important because a lot of folks uh, will say, hey, the you know house prices are up. My house is now worth $800,000 or whatever it's worth. It's it's based on the mortgage balance. So it's on mortgage balances below $750,000. Um, and if you bought your house before 2018, you're grandfathered in kind of that old million dollar limit. So most primary residences still you can deduct the home mortgage interest. If your house is, um, or if your mortgage balance is more than 750,000, then you'll you know be able to, to deduct the interest up to that amount and then pass there. Um, you uh, won't get that deduction anymore. Home office deduction. Um, so this one comes up a lot now in the post COVID world because everybody seems to work from home at least a little bit. But in order to deduct your home office, work from home has to be a requirement, i.e. not by your own choice. So a good way to think about that is your your employer forces you to work from home, not, well, we have an office and you have a laptop and you can work from home or work from wherever you want, really, the coffee shop or wherever else. If, if you just sort of can choose where you work, um, it may not be deductible. So definitely talk to a tax professional about that, about your specific situation before you deduct your home office, um, especially if you're a more traditional employee in a corporate setting and you have an office somewhere. Um, again, just sort of having your laptop doesn't necessarily make uh, your, your home office deductible. So talk to a professional before you start doing that. And then long-term care insurance is the is the fourth thing in this category. A lot of folks don't know that long-term care insurance premiums can be deductible. Depends on how much you're spending on medical expenses and some other things, um, whether or not those expenses are over 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. So if, if you're spending a lot on medical expenses, you have long-term care insurance, those things a lot of times kind of go hand in hand. So you see that sometimes. Um, you might be able to, to deduct those premiums on your, on your taxes. So those are four credits and deductions that you should think about for your 2023 or for last year's taxes. The other way that we can influence our taxes is just by reducing our income, right? So um, let's reduce the amount of money that we have to take those deductions and credits against. Um, and you may say, well, how do we do that? It's 2024. Well, there's when we think about retirement accounts, we can still contribute to those accounts through when we file our taxes or through the tax deadline for last year so we still have some opportunities to influence what our um, what our income was last year um, and so there's a couple of ways that we traditionally find that folks aren't um, sort of optimizing their tax situation when we think about those kinds of accounts and the first is a health savings account so you may have heard about this before but if you have material medical expenses which in my view is virtually everyone um, a lot of folks will say oh that's for old folks that you know have lots of uh, health issues and go to the doctor all the time if you have young if you're a young family like we are you have kids they go to the doctor all the time stuff happens people break things we're in the hospital stuff happens so we have medical expenses um, and even if you don't have kids yet or you're still young at some point you're either going to have a family or you're going to be older um, aging is a hundred percent problem that you're going to have um, and when that happens you will have medical expenses and so putting money in an hsa is a great way to save for those um, because HSAs have what I call the trifecta of sort of tax preference or tax deductibility. Uh, you can deduct the income when you put money into the HSA. It grows tax-free. You don't pay taxes while uh, things are growing when you're selling stocks or earning income, those kinds of things in an HSA. And you can invest in HSA just like any other sort of investment account that you have. So you don't pay taxes while things are growing. And then when you take money out for qualified medical expenses, you don't pay tax on the money either. Um, so it's it's like the best of, of all worlds from a tax perspective. Um, you're going to have healthcare expenses. So HSAs are definitely something to consider. You do have to have the right kind of health insurance plan. If you have health insurance um, to go with your your HSA, um, you'll hear about you'll hear those called high deductible plans. 
What I, what I generally find though, is a lot of the corporate plans that folks have are actually high deductible plans. The, the, the deductible for it to be considered a high deductible plan is not actually that high. So you might find that your insurance plan is, is in that category, even if you don't necessarily consider it to be so. So, so think about an HS, an HSA, I think about whether that is something that could be useful for you. And then the second thing here in this category of reducing your taxable income is simply to make retirement account contributions. You have until the tax deadline to do that. If you haven't made IRA contributions for 2023, you can still do that. You can make your 2024 contribution while you're at it, um, but you can definitely still make contributions for 2023. Um, and it's also a good time to, to think about Roth conversions. If you haven't thought about that uh, this year, you know, looking at last year's income, looking at this year's income, looking where all that's going to land figure out if it's an ideal time for you to be pursuing a Roth conversion. A Roth conversion is simply where we're taking money, putting it into an IRA, um, and then paying the taxes on that money, moving it out of the IRA and putting it into a Roth account, i.e. it's converted from a standard IRA or 401k into a Roth IRA, uh, hence Roth conversion. That's all that's happening there. Um, so what we're doing there is choosing to pay taxes now, um, believing that our tax rate is going to go up over time. So Roth conversions are also something to think about this time of year because we're looking at our income, looking at our taxes, looking at all those kinds of things. So those are a few things that you can do to reduce your tax bill for 2023, even though we've moved into 2024. So now let's talk a little bit about the strategy stuff that I talked about at the beginning. So all of those deductions and, and credits that we just talked about, they're worth a couple thousand dollars here, a couple thousand dollars there. They're not gonna move the needle a whole lot. There's just not much you can do there. What can move the needle a whole lot are these more strategic items um, that we're gonna talk about now. But the, the catch is you gotta start working on them now. They take years and years uh, to evolve and create those tax savings that are gonna be so valuable uh, down the road. So. The first set of things is, is all about controlling taxable income. So we talked about this a little bit at the front. And the easy button here is if you're a partner or you're an outright owner of a business in Huntsville um, or anywhere else, if you're listening to the podcast in Nashville or Atlanta, you might be able to influence whether that business pays out income, realizes expenses, sells assets, the kinds of things that generate taxable income on your return. So what happens sometimes is you have really, really good years. You take a lot of income and you pay a high 30% tax rate. Then the next year is not so great, and you're paying a tax rate that's in the low 20s. And what would have been, we would have been better off not splitting the difference in half, because if we do that, then we're kind of in the same boat. But we probably would have been better off because the tax code is progressive, it's upward sloping. Um, we would have been better off if we had just smoothed out some of that income a little bit um, and taken less income in the spiky year and a little bit more in, in the next year. And so if you have the ability to control your taxable income um, as a business owner, you want to do that. If you're an executive at a company, um, if you're a W 2 employee, but you have things like stock options or stock grants or things like that, where you have some choice in when you exercise those things, sometimes you can't control that. But if you can't, control it. That's another uh, great tool to use in years where maybe your bonus isn't as big as you expect. Uh, you know, the business is down a little bit. Maybe you exercise more of those options. Um, and then in years when things are really, really good, you sit on some of those so that we keep the overall tax, the tax rate low. So controlling your income is number one strategy. The second strategy is bunching charitable deductions. So a lot of folks, we get to December of every year. I um, mean, we're, you know, December 18, 19, 20, and we're trying to give those gifts to charity before the end of the year. A lot of times those gifts are not necessarily going to get us to the standard deduction. So instead of giving that gift on December the 20th of uh, 2023, if you give it on January the 5th of 2024, and then you give to the same organization again at the end of 2024, now we can take all of that charitable deduction and use it in the same tax year. And perhaps we can raise the amount of deductibility that we're able to use um, against our our 
total income. And so um, since 2017, this has been a pretty common strategy. So think about bunching up your charitable deductions instead of spreading them out year over year. That doesn't necessarily have to change a whole lot about what you're giving and when you're giving even annually, but you can just think about moving some of those things to the right across the new year deadline into January um, instead of giving them in December and then maybe doing a January to December one year, nothing the next year, and then January and December the year after that. Um, so your organization's still getting a lot of cash flow um, you know, but, but it's, but it's in the same tax year for, for your purposes. The third thing that's in this category is net investment income. And this isn't really a strategy. Um, it's just more of a, a watch out item to make sure that you know that there is an excise tax. Essentially, if you have uh, a modified adjusted gross income, so that taxable income above $250,000, um, if you're married or if you're single, it's $200,000, you might be exposed to the net investment income surtax. And that's an extra 3.8% tax on your investment income. That also includes income from like S-Corps. So if you're a business owner and you have an S-Corp and you're not meeting some thresholds for active involvement, those kinds of things, then you might be subject to net or net investment income tax too. So when we think about controlling our income, if we're right around those thresholds, you know, using some of these strategies might be particularly helpful. So important to think about that. Um, tax loss harvesting. So this is the um, this is the next big strategy that's here. I know what you're probably thinking. Markets are up last year, Brian. Why, you know, why do we need to be doing tax loss harvesting? The reality is it's probably very unlikely that every single one of your investments increased in value throughout all of last year, right? You probably, um, you know, had some things that were down the first part of last year, the first half, the first three quarters really of last year were actually pretty challenging in markets. And then the there were significant gains in the fourth quarter. And so you probably had some losers throughout the first half of last year. You should be realizing those losses to offset future gains. And if you don't use them all up, you can carry them forward. So tax loss harvesting should be happening every single year in your account um, to try to reduce your tax bill over time. If that's not something that's going on, that's something you need to look into to reduce your, your taxable income. Retirement account strategy. So this is really, really important. There's not a, a specific answer that sort of everyone should, should apply here, but it's really important that everyone looks at the kinds of retirement accounts they have. We generally recommend that you have a balanced approach between Roth accounts, so Roth 401ks, Roth IRAs, where you've paid taxes and the money is growing tax-free, and more traditional retirement accounts, your IRAs, your 401ks, where you're getting those tax deductions for your savings. The reason for that is if you think about getting to retirement, if you're spending you know, $200,000 a year or $300,000 a year before retirement, then you get to retirement and you just start pulling $200,000 or $300,000 out of an IRA, you're paying taxes on all of that money as it comes out. And there's not much you can do about that. And so if we've got some Roth money, it allows us to control our income a little bit when we get into retirement. And so there's there's not a 50-50 or 60-40. There's not a perfect answer for everybody. Every situation is a little different, but there is an optimal a scenario for you based on what your out, outside income looks like uh, to be either balanced or less balanced between Roth contributions and traditional retirement accounts. And so if that's not something that you looked at, that's a major tax planning opportunity and, and generally results in some of the most value add that we see with clients when we work through long-term tax planning issues. So, so think about retirement accounts and make sure that you're taking advantage of all the opportunities that you have there, not just for this year, but also down the road, because that's where those, those benefits are really going to pile up. Uh, other thing related to retirement accounts, if you're a business owner, 
you contribute to those both as an employee and an employer. A lot of folks forget about that. So what that means is you're not just limited to the 25 or 30,000 hours that you can put in as an employee. You can actually put in almost $60,000 or actually a little more than $60,000 in a lot of scenarios as an employer. So if you are a 1099 or if you are running a business, remember that you've got an opportunity to defer a lot of income. And I talk to business owners a lot of times that are sort of looking for tax deferral strategies and all kinds of esoteric things that they can do. And, and generally, <laughs> sort of ask like, how much are you putting into a 401k or an IRA? And, and you know, a lot of times it's like, well, 20,000 or 30,000 or 10,000. I'm like, okay, well, before we get into weird sort of tax strategies to try to further reduce our income and pension plans and all that kind of stuff, let's just make sure that we're putting the maximum amount of money that we can into a 401k. Pretty straightforward. So think about that if you're a business owner. And then lastly, I always close out our tax tax guide advice with just a, a comment around around public charities. And this is just one of the spaces where uh, you know we talked about bunching charitable deductions, but obviously um, we still get tax deductions for being generous. And I think a lot of our clients are are geared that way, and we want to help uh, the community that's around us. And so I hope you'll consider being generous to the community around you. You'll save money on taxes, and you'll do really really great things around the world. Don't don't give. Um, just for a tax deduction, it doesn't all that, frankly, it doesn't work all that well, uh, but, but do think about being generous. Do you want to be more generous this year than you were last year? What are some amazing things that you and your family can grab onto um, in the community that you can do together, right? You can build a stronger family by um, philanthropy. Some of the other episodes we've done, we talked about that a lot. Working with your family and and doing things together in the community is a really awesome way to both help your community and and uh, build your family. So you can help the community, build your family, and save on taxes um, by being generous. And so, so think about doing that. Um, it's also important that you make sure that you're giving. If you're going to deduct it from a tax perspective, make sure you're giving to public charities, if you've got private foundation, political organizations, those things have different tax treatments. So you're going to want to talk to a professional there if you're talking about private foundations or political organizations. We're in a political year, we're in an election year. So just make sure you're thoughtful about those kinds of things. So so hopefully this is helpful. This there, There's an article on our website that kind of goes into some of these concepts in more uh, detail. So Again, just as you think about taxes, remember, it's not about the hunt for annual deductions. It's not just like, can I find a few things to reduce last year's taxes? It's about long-term planning. That's really the game. Most of you are going to take the standard deduction. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's make sure we're doing good tax planning now um, so that we can reduce our taxes for next year and, and more over the long term. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we will be back uh, with high, with more high-quality financial advice, both in podcast form uh, and now on YouTube. So look forward to seeing you all down the road. Talk to you soon. commentary provided is for general audiences and educational purposes only. It should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice for your specific situation. That's why you should talk to a professional. Hello. Past performance of market results is no assurance of future performance. All the information in the podcast has been obtained from sources we deem reliable as of the date of this recording, but it's not guaranteed.